The year is 1986. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. D- d- re- Mike, I always forget this. <laughs> I can't, I can't, rem- I feel like we had oh, like a really tight watch. little, really tight little catchphrase and I lost it. Anyway, reading the best and most important comics from its origins to today. I already said that part. You See, gotta listen, I, I gotta go you gotta listen to the show once or twice. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm <laughs> clearly yeah, not listen to this show anymore. Anyway, yeah. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and alongside Dave, the comic book expert, who I just found out. He found out that there's other comic book podcasts hosted by other Dave Busings. He's been killing off those Dave Busings one at a time. Ooh. There's only one left. The best comics ever, Dave Busing. <laughs> the final it. version that needs I to be I love it. Killed. Yeah, check it out. Best comics ever by Comic Book Herald. That is where I reside solo and uh, occasionally with some talented comic book creators these days. So, but yeah, yeah I, I do love a good uh, killing off your your doppelganger story. And we're going to talk about yeah. one of those today as we dive into the Marvel Comics of 1986. A very exciting year, as I've been teasing, of comics. Obviously, a lot of huge things happened this year, both in Marvel and uh, elsewhere in, uh, in the Distinguished Competition obviously with works like Watchmen and uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns. But, you know, on the Marvel side, this year, Zach, we're looking at the continuation of some exciting stuff like Simonson uh, Thor, like Burn mm-hmm. Fantastic Four coming to a conclusion mm-hmm. here in this very episode. But then we've got, like, Punisher kicking off in kind of the modern incarnation that we understand today. Some enormous happenings across the X-Men landscape, like the Mutant Massacre and uh, Daredevil. Speaking of Frank Miller on on Batman Dark Knight Returns, Daredevil Born Again, uh, Love and War graphic novel with Bill Sienkiewicz on art, Elektra Assassin, Frank Miller and Bill Sienkiewicz doing a crazy Elektra story that is not in Marvel Unlimited, a a rarity. Mm -hmm. And then we got some Squadron Supreme to round out 1986. Now, if you want to find all these comics that we're going to be reading throughout the year, and uh, frankly, this is a great year to jump in. Like, not for continuity purposes, if you're trying to figure out what's going on in the world of Marvel, but for just good comics purposes, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's a very interesting time. Um, If you want to find the list, you can find it either in the show notes, uh, or you can go to patreon.com slash mymarvelishyear, and for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can get access to the full master spreadsheet of all the comics that we are reading alongside the amazing my marvelous year club so check that out That's if you are so true. inclined yes yes to do um yeah because i you know we're we're a ways off from our next big goal maybe we'll find a like an intermediate goal to hit on patreon but we moved past our 616 dollar goal mm-hmm. doing the bad comic podcast tarot which we just released um oh i had an idea our... oh okay. can i can i share my idea uh, let's yeah, air it please. out live um i i was thinking we should do a 666 wait no that doesn't mm-hmm. work yeah yeah a 666 goal uh, something like Mephisto or Devil related. That's as far as the idea's gotten. But that's a fun number, right? Mm. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I, you know, if there was something like... This is how uh, most of my if, ideas are met. <laughs> if there was, like, a Mephisto miniseries that I was, you know, champing at the bit to get to or something, but, like, I don't care Mephisto miniseries. So, I don't know. I actually maybe, don't really either, read, but 87 talk about does Hellboy have... Or something? Well, we know. can't now. <laughs> Not now. It would have been good. Uh, it would have been good a month ago, yeah. right? And then, uh, well, actually, no, that's not true. And that's frankly uh, shameful of me to say. There were major, major uh, sexual harassment and assault allegations about longtime Hellboy contributor Scott Alley. There's a lot of concern about how much creator Mike Magnola knew and uh, and didn't hmm. do anything yeah. about. So Hellboy is no, off the table on Comic Book Herald owned properties for the time being. As I sort of get my head around how you. What, what one does with art that has been uh, so tainted by the individuals being such horrible, horrible people, right? It's kind of an ongoing Too bad there's no uh, no precedence happening in other medium to, uh, to look yeah, at for right. this. <laughs> right. No, it's like there's there's a lot of places to look, and there's a lot of thinking on this. Um, and it's something we've talked about, you know, as recently as talking about uh, Warren Ellis on the Ultimate uh, Ultimate Marvel podcast, right? It's just kind of, it is in the water, and it's good, right? Get uh, get the creeps and, and these people, you know, like bringing this toxicity to the comic book industry out, I think, is yeah. is where ultimately we're going to stand on that. Uh, but anyway... If so we hit the no $666 goal on Patreon, we will get all these sex creeps out of the comic industry. That's Dave and I's Boy, promise. boy, oh boy, would that be... Uh, if only I had the power. If only I had the power. What yeah. I was going to say is there is a Mephisto vs. the Fantastic Four uh, mini coming up in 87. It's not very good mm. or very interesting. Yeah. And that oh, would cool. be that yeah, goal. I'm glad we've spent as much time as we have on this very bad idea I've <laughs> pitched. All right, so uh, my my point being, we should come up with something else. But we have mm-hmm. a fun, exciting, a fun and exciting idea for the thousand dollar goal, which is like doing our little sideshow. Got another little sideshow idea. Like I think we were talking about doing it quarterly, um, doing a deep dive on stuff that we skimmed over or missed entirely in my marvelous year. Um, the yeah. examples I always use are like the uh, the is it Doug Mensch's Kung or. Um, Shang-Chi Such and Masters match. of Kung Fu. Yeah. Um, something like that, you know, like a, a run that has its fans, clearly has something interesting going on there. And we'll, you know, read like the whole thing and talk about it. Um, we won't talk about it as in depth as we do like issue by issue. But yeah. And if the, yeah, if the but, MMR community wants us to get us to like $999, you know, just shy mm-hmm. of the 1000 and then yeah. just flatline and then just stay there, that would be actually perfect. Ooh, oh, yeah. Me. Edge me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you would you would really tie into Zach's kink and I'm quite busy. Uh, so it would just be easier for me. <laughs> so just everybody wins. W- one comic, one series every four months is just too much for Dave. That's you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> yes, that's that's fair. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's enough. Enough. I don't know. Begging for money. Let's get into this. Uh, we start out here with Thor, three sixty four to three sixty six. Now, Zach, is... before you before you even say a word about uh-huh. this run, I have I have some thoughts on your uh, dismissal and frankly uncalled for depictions of Walt mm-hmm. Simonson's Thor. Right now, we've been talking about this, and obviously we've been joking about it a lot in the exclusive Slack community. Um, but you generally like. Simonson's Thor. You gave it like mm. an eight out of ten, sure. but you had yeah. criticisms, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and as we've discussed, you know, you, you led with the criticism. So it sounds like probably you're more down on the run than you are. I think yeah, is, is fair to say. Yeah. I th- now yeah, I, I did. I was. You keep saying that no one, basically, no one has ever criticized this comic before you, which is which is funny. Um, but also, like, I did a quick search on Simonson Thor reviews, and like. 
two of the first ones I found were critical in the exact same way that you are. <laughs> so Wait, where I think where this, was this, this I, idea I that, looked up, that like, no one has ever Simonson criticized Thor the work. Review. And I like couldn't find any. Like I was Google. It was like the first. It was like IGN and something. It was like big sites, you know. And they had like video gamers. What do they know? (laughs) Well, they they write plenty. Oh, well, good. I mean, uh, no. It was like there are things about this that aren't perfect. It's not. I think. I think holding it up as a perfect run, it falls apart pretty quickly. I think holding up anything like that falls apart pretty quickly, right? My favorite comic book of all time is still sure. Watchmen. There are a gazillion really good criticisms of Watchmen, right? And it, and mm-hmm. it gets that yeah. level of analysis. Simonson's Thor doesn't because it's not doing as many things that are uh, that you can think about as long necessarily, right? It's more about the mythology and the world building and bringing in sort of social connections or learning about humanity in this work. Not impossible, but not the focus. I think uh, pretty fair to say. So to that end, I think it's very, very good. It is, it is not some holy cow, as we like to say here on, uh, on the My Marvelous Year pod. I I think you're, you're a little misguided in thinking that no one's ever criticized it before. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I just went and looked on IGN's site. They gave it an 8.5. So, yeah. That's you know, literally what criticism. you gave it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess maybe I'm a little misguided. But we, we talked about this. This I think this is actually good for a longer conversation about, like, comic criticism in general. And how I think, for older stuff especially, it's a little bit lacking in kind of, like, mainstream dialogue, right? Like, you get a lot of academic looks at this stuff, like, literally in academia, you know, but like that's kind of larger picture stuff, but kind of more focused in on creators and creator runs of comics, um, especially of older stuff. You don't get as much. And I think you brought up a good point, which is like, there's no money in it. <laughs> you know, like it's not film, right? There's like, there's a lot more money in film criticism because everybody watches movies. Movies are a much bigger deal. Um, I think, uh, I think all that's true. This is not me saying like, this is a baby's medium. So there's no good criticism of it. I think that like, but I do think there is a feedback loop of a lack of robust criticism everywhere. Cause I just skimmed through that IGN thing. Like the, the worst thing they had to say about it was that his writing is inelegant because of the Shakespearean tone. I mean, like, I think you can go in a lot deeper on Simonson's Thor. I think there's a lot more to say about it. Um, so sure, I do think there's which a doesn't mean that loop nobody has like, though. I think it, there's there's a difference sure. here I mean, between I'm being criticism that right? there's a difference between criticism existing and criticism that is documented online as well. I mean, there's a run that came out yeah. in the '80s, right? That's and a fair. lot of like comics yeah. culture is is and was fanzines kind of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, very, so very the, fair. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, things like the Comics Journal or Wizard Magazine in the '90s, um, mm-hmm. some of the stuff as the work was coming out is not necessarily going to be like I don't know that there's a historical archive of that work um not to say wizard was the the pinnacle of criticism but it was a huge deal in comics mm-hmm. at the time uh you know throughout all the 90s and those magazines are really interesting to look at plus like i i just i definitely resist the idea that there's not good comics criticism today like you just I have think to look it is i think com- mm, i think if you compare it to say like film or video games it is severely lacking like, comics is not many... as big an industry as film or video that... games right well sure that doesn't change. That doesn't mean what I'm saying is not true. That's a good reason for it. Like that explains it. But I think like that is something that's behind it, right? Because like even if you're just talking YouTube criticism, right? Essay channels on YouTube, right? There's a very small handful of like really good comic YouTube channels versus video games and film and even something even you know 
books, right? Um, but they exist. Uh, you know, yeah, there's no, this idea they totally that they exist. don't exist. I mean, exist, I, I subscribe could... to Panel X Panel. Like, Panel X Panel is really good, thoughtful comic criticism. Sure, but that's I also just that one like, example. Right. You know? I, no, I think that's a little bit of like a rare jewel in. Uh, it's in it's relatively rare in what it does, but like I'm saying, like there's the comics journal, there's sketched run by David Harper, right? I could go on and on. There's plenty. Matt Draper, who writes for Comic Herald, yeah. does amazing video essays on YouTube. We talk about yeah, comics yeah, tropes yeah. doing an awesome job. There's plenty of stuff that gets a lot more attention that isn't as as academic. I mean, uh, Sequart or however you say that S A S E Q. U-A-R-T. You know, Sequart, right? You ever find yourself saying something out loud and you're like, that can't, that can't be right. Anyway, they do all sorts of academic thinking and stuff. So if if that's what you're looking for, which is rarely the case for anyone, (laughs) like most people aren't digging around like, man, I really need some critical thought on Simonson's Thor. (laughs) I mean, that's that's what I do. That's where I immediately go. Right for stuff like when I'm engaging with media, is I'm trying to find that critical stuff. So like, I I do that I when I'm hard when I'm really going deep on something. So like if I'm so like recently I'm preparing. I just did an interview on these Savage Shores with writer Ron V, which was awesome, and I hope people will check it out on Comic Herald. Um, but that series, I was like, there's a lot here that I know I don't get. I want to read smart opinions about this before mm-hmm. I talk yeah, to him. Right, right. So that that component of it, I guess. Um, and if you're if you're literally like, hey, what are the smart Where's the smart thinking on Claremont's X-Men? It exists. It's probably just not super easy to, like, round up. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. I think that I think that's fair. I mean, it exists on blogs, right? You have to find those, like... I mean, it's a lot of small... You know, it's on Twitter. It's on, you know, it's on Comic blogs and stuff. Right? It's, like, yeah, it's, it's on, on these small, yeah. individually run properties yeah. that are, and like that are said, genius and ahead of their time, but they're also the money just, like... There. They're spread out. As, it's, comic stuff no, is right. really spread out. <laughs> Yeah. No, that that is all that is all very fair. You know, I think well, I there's don't money make there. this sound there's like... money there. You see this dollar I'm waving in front of you? <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> he just uh he just took a lighter out, lit the dollar on fire, and then used the dollar to light a cigarette? Yeah. Wow. And that was <laughs> my one that was my one dollar I made on comics too. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, what was I say? Okay, uh, yeah, no, I, I I think I I still stand by the fact that like I think it is tough to find good comic criticism as easily as it is film criticism for one um and also i, I just don't want it to be mischaracterized i just don't think that's i just don't anything. think that's surprising in any way i guess no i don't i don't know if it's that surprising why would why but, wouldn't that be the case yeah okay well i guess not everyone as smart as you dave and figured this out after a, you know film, a decade of running a comic blog <laughs> i just i know no you know it, it, it i know i know that is very like self-evident like you are correct um I mean, the the point of me bringing all this up is to say that I am the only one who has good opinions on Simonson's <laughs> Thor, and I'm trying to, like, hold myself up on that pedestal uh-huh. so that people realize that, like, this is special and unique. Right. Because I'm the only one willing to, you know, to go to these, these places. Yeah, so. and as I keep telling you, we're not special, <laughs> and nothing yes. we do matters, right? No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I, I do think the idea that, like comics wouldn't have because even music which had a lot of money oh, right oh which i forgot about had, music but like if you think about like music <laughs> has literally like a, it was like racking yeah. my brain for like well, criticism and music up, was like a big deal to me growing up like that was a thing i really yeah, dug sure, sure. and uh, it was always like a really appealing sort of like career until you know it just became it wasn't and like uh lester bangs is a name that people know right as yeah, a yeah, right. as a music critic i don't have almost any of those in comics you know, so that that definitely that gap 
exists. But um, you're right that that's because of money, right? Like, I could list a dozen probably. Critic, like, film critics. I could name a dozen film critics that I like. They all work for, you know, big publications. But I can also name, I mean, I'm, I'm in the weeds, obviously, but, like, I can name a lot of comic book critics I like right now. Yeah. You know? It yeah, doesn't I, mean they're I think making I can. money. They do it because they love comics. Yeah, there's a few that I can name now because of, since I started this. But, you know, like, if it takes becoming a podcast host about comics to, like, get you in the weeds enough to, <laughs> to, uh, to familiarize yourself, I just feel like it's a... Uh... You know, there's, there's, it's a bummer. Like, it's mostly that it's just a bummer. And I understand, you know, that there's just not money in it, so people can't make a living off of it. Um, I just wish it was valued a little more because I think that even though it is not, it, it's not a sign of comic, the comic book medium not being interested in criticism, but I think there is a feedback. I think it's just money, but I think there's a feedback loop of the lack of like robust criticism being, you know, more widespread does lead into a little bit uh, of less critical thought about comic books, right? I think there is a feedback loop there, right? Because I think yeah. the value of critics is important, and that is why we are still, like, in the, you know... Like, like, movies have eras, and things get pushed out of movies that we have decided are like, okay, this is old-fashioned, this is tired, this is worn out, and comics a lot of times don't have that, uh, I think. I, I don't know. This this is a much wider conversation. Um, but uh, I mean, my point is I, I value critics. And so I look for it a lot. You know, I value criticism. Um, and so I have to speak in order to find the thing I value. Well, and I think to that to that end, just to put a bow on it, like if that's something you value, seek it out and support it where yeah. you can. Because yeah, yeah, it, totally. it can't actually exist without. Support. I mean, I I don't have the time to read every issue of Panel X Panel, but I'm buying them all. <laughs> right because sure. i want to support that because like i love that it exists and i do find the time to like jump into specific issues of that but like that uh i i can't recommend that zine enough to people who are who are interested um okay let's uh let's talk let's about talk frog some thor. thor let's talk some now, frog thor because yeah. now we're going to talk about one of the most famous arcs in the simpson run with all that mm-hmm. prelude uh this is the arc where thor gets turned into a frog by loki and it is three issues long approximately it goes all in on F- Thor being a frog, then getting his hammer back and becoming Throg, the man-sized frog <laughs> god of thunder. It yeah. is super fun. It frequently gets referenced when people are like, oh, you can't change this character. And then people are like, no, what? Thor got turned into a frog. Yet no problem with that. And the reason p- people have no problem with that, one, is because why would you? But two, it's super fun. <laughs> it's It is kind of the perfect example of like, going all in on an idea that sounds just like a like a really bad idea on paper you know like you're gonna commit three oh, issues to thor being a funny. frog I think, like, and fighting rats yeah it doesn't sound that bad uh, now that i'm saying no i think on paper on paper it sounds <laughs> it sounds really good yeah 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 you know, i guess it's just it bold this, you know maybe is the word yeah it's very bold you know my big issue with this this arc what was it i think Pickle Rick did it better, man. Pickle I, you know Rick. what? I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen that Rick and Morty. Uh, yet. Oh, it's it's. I mean, the the idea he turns himself to a pickle and then he gets stuck in the sewers and he's like fighting rats and cockroaches in the sewers and he's a little green guy. Wow, that sounds so, a lot like uh, these issues. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing about uh, Pickle Rick is that you just can't stop screaming at Pickle Rick. That's what everyone's yelling these days. Pickle Rick. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing when I go out. Uh, yeah, so aside from Rick and Morty hardcore ripping off Thor, I did yeah. enjoy, like, there's a lot to enjoy here. First, like, Simonson just drawing frogs and alligators is kind of fun <laughs> to look at. Yeah. Um, but, sure. like, there's a there's a serious, so Thor becomes a frog, right? 
And he's trying to tell the Avengers, like, hey, I need to get changed back to Thor. He goes to Avengers Mansion. He starts writing, <laughs> help, I'm Thor in sugar. So, yeah, he gets to, like, help, I'm Thor. <laughs> and then Jarvis chases him out because he sees a frog in there. Um, but then like, Thor finds a company of frogs at war with rats, right? And basically, he his warrior instincts, and he's a very big frog, right? He's still, he's, even though he's Thor, or because he's Thor. And um, his warrior instincts basically help him make a new family of frogs, right? Like, his people now become these frogs as they battle the rats and that leads them to a, a weird pied piper who manipulates alligators in the sewers and, and on and on um it's really well done it's it's i mean it's uh it's a great entry in the thor narrative it also like it ties back to that silver age goofiness of like loki turning himself into a pigeon and stuff like that um and and just kind of these the way asgardian myths can be uh kind of aesop fables like you know in terms of, oh, I got turned into an animal, and here's what happened. Uh, and then while all this is going on, you have Loki trying to use this time where Thor can't be around to uh, take on the, the rule of Asgard, because as we remember from Ragnarok and Roll, Odin has fallen. There is mm-hmm. now a decision to be made about you know who will lead them. You have Frigga, Odin's wife, and, and Thor's mother. Um, but then you have Loki basically saying, like, oh, well, I'm here, but where's Thor? Um, and there's a, uh, there's a fake-out Thor wearing his mask as we all should be as we socially distant mm-hmm. and well, because because pretty, thor would be wearing funny. a mask right now after his wounds in hell 1l mm-hmm. hope i pronounced that right and uh and uh yeah so that's that's what's going on before thor can return his man-sized frog thor and and duke it out and like and loki is is sapping the power out of um Surter's big sword out in the desert. Yeah. Right? Like he's pulling power out of it. It's this big subplot that I think it's resolved in a really lame way. Even though it's it's kind of funny. Um It's it's more comedy than than cool. Yeah, I guess it yeah. This is like one of those um oh we talked about this in Ultimate Spider Man where they had like the Craven arc where I'm just like, this would have been a funny resolution to this if it wasn't three issues long, right? But like the payoff to this after you built it up for three issues to be kind of this kind of like a joke ending. Oh, really? Uh, See, we already got the Surter Twilight Sword stuff, though. I mean, that. that no, I mean, I wasn't interested in, in it. No, I guess uh, part of me was relieved it was just over. <laughs> like, okay, I don't actually have to worry about it because I wasn't interested. Anyway, Volstag yeah. goes out to the desert. He gets a little woozy and he like leans on a pile of rocks. The rocks fa- fall over and break the machine and uh, he saves the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely here for, for farce Volstag anywhere I can get it. Um, I do I love mean, yes. how yeah, he I is like, portrayed like, here. Like yeah. like Simonson's design of Volstag where he is just this absolute like like magnificently giant bouncy rubber man. ball. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's carrying he's his just... his, you know, seven year old, but the seven year old looks like a like a I don't know, like a tablet. You know, it's like like size proportionally. You know, it's just so small. It's awesome. Volstag's yeah, my favorite dad. Um, I I aspire to be Volstag one day. So yeah, th- th- this is fun. I, I like this. It's fine. Um, this made me realize I wish Walt Simonson was writing these comics and not drawing them. I don't know. You don't if like I his art? Articulate... Yeah, I think I'm falling down on just like it, it's not even his, his uh like panels. You know, his individual like drawings that I'm that dragged down by i just think like as a visual storyteller he's not that dynamic and they don't like read also yeah i I don't think it's bad i think it's just kind of like it's like claremont where i'm like when we're in like the dave cockrum era where i'm just kind of like yeah this is fine it's just uh there's like a a level of chafe to reading this that does not feel like he has a really full confident grasp on how to lay out a comic um and then the other (laughs) thing is (laughs) that's really that is really controversial 
I think most yeah. people would say Simonson is one of the all-time greats at design and laying out a comic, including myself. He's extremely huh. good at it. <laughs> There's a and yeah, I think huh. I mean the thing I one of the thing that I like the most because I'm I'm not an expert on on art. I'll admit it. Um, but the thing I like the most is a very distinct and and it's it's his style. I know it yeah. when I see I, it. I like his right? style. Yes, I like that. Sure. I like yeah. that about it. Uh, as like far as style. the design style. and yeah. layout, I mean, I when we go from Simonson to let's say John Buscema on Avengers and John Buscema, mm-hmm. longtime industry great. I mean, it's night and day. Like the Simonson stuff looks so much fresher, so much fresher than I guess what would be considered otherwise House Marvel. Uh, it is, it is glorious to me. I mean, I think like I know you prefer a John Byrne. Uh, yeah, style I was gonna say like the Avengers stuff feels about like the same level of like yeah, this is fine, it's okay. It's uh, it, again, I'm judging it a little bit on a, on a curve of like this is the Walt Simonson run, right? Um, I I don't I definitely don't think it would be improved. I, there are cert, there are a small small number of artists who would improve this run, and I mean I I don't know who they would be. Yeah, that's that, that is a little tough. You're right because like while I liked we'll, we'll get into this with John Byrne later. While I really liked John Byrne in his art, right? Like he is not necessarily like the epic artist, right? Like he doesn't do the Steranko stuff, right? No, like Steranko there's not would, that. Um, and I mean, if you had right, if you had Thor written by Simonson with Bill Sienkiewicz art. It's mm-hmm. a very different book, obviously. Yeah, yeah, It'd yeah. be interesting, and probably we'd come around to it, but I don't think... You know who it actually would be a good fit? It would have been impossible. Uh, but mm-hmm. Art Adams, having seen his Asgard work with Oh, Claremont, yes. That would have been yes. very, very cool. See? Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm... Now I'm just mad that that's not what happened. Yeah, but no, I mean, I I love hand over your I love Simonson's art, and I mean, I think like it's not just here. Like when he comes on to X Factor, I think you get the coolest designs and the coolest stuff going. When he's on Orion for DC later, much later, um, that's an amazingly constructed. No, book. I li- I like like if you were showing me individual like I posted some of his stuff on Instagram today. Individual panels, his designs, the way he like sometimes sets up the big pages or is okay. It's just the like he's got a six panel grid. Right, and he's telling a six-panel grid page here. Oh, I see, I don't, like... I don't think that's fair uh, about him. Uh, you could say that about any comic. Who's not doing that what? right now? No, no, I'm not saying. You gotta let me. Let me at least say the sentence before you get mad at me about. No, it. no, he's it's not that he's using six-panel grids, but like that his six-panel grids don't have like a great page, like panel-to-panel flow to them, hmm. um, the way that I think some other people do. I don't. I mean, know that's a Kirby how... criticism too. And, and he oh, worships sure. at the altar of Kirby, <laughs> and, and that's one to yeah. me that it's like, well, that actually doesn't matter to me because of the oh, that because of the the feel hugely of it. to me. Yeah, that that that's a, such a big deal to me. Um, that's a yeah, very no, literal. No, no. It's a very literal approach to comics, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't need that. Well, that's like saying like I'm reading a book, and uh, in the sent like paragraph to paragraph, it jumps around. And it's very jarring, and they don't have like yeah, sure, things no, just totally. It'd be like this word. is an inventive. This is an inventive narrative flow. Right, I'd be like, "Oh, this is intriguing." Okay, all right. Well, um, is John Workman has he been the letterer throughout the whole thing? John Workman letters, if not the entire thing, a vast majority of it. Yes. Okay, because he's the one who's like known for those big, the big word balloons, right? And those but are awesome. like, yeah, those are amazing. I love those. I think I realized reading this today that I think his lettering is actually a little difficult to read. Um, I was having a hard time with this, and I realized that like it was partially due to the uh, his actual lettering just makes like the the text a little difficult for me to uh to parse well it's one of the it's one of the earlier instances and we've probably seen this a little bit but where do the sound effects kind of become a part of the art you know they're kind of integrated into the visual aesthetic in a way that isn't because otherwise i tend to just move past sound effects 
Like the sound effects mm-hmm. are not crucial to my oh, comic book reading. Well, no, experience. no, I'm talking about his dialogue. Like, no, the you're oh, you're oh, right. the lettering like, and dialogue now. Okay, the, the the actual literal, like the vast majority of what we're reading. I think his lettering is a little tough to read for me, at least. Like the font. I mean, it's not a font, but like, yeah, I don't know. That that might just be a very specific thing. And I think you and I are just getting be... old because I had the same problem last night trying to read a comic, and it was like hand lettered and cursive, and I was like, yeah. I cannot. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, cannot. some of that's personal. Where I've seen that, where like I've seen someone complain about um, oh, what what comic was it? It might have been Fearscape. I saw someone complaining about the lettering. I don't know if it was that. How dare but they? Something, dare and they? I was just like, oh, I had no problem with that. That worked totally fine for me. So this, you know, might be my own specific brain. Um, but no, like nothing about his uh, those word balloons. You're right; those are like definitely something to be lauded. And I mean, I will say <laughs> held up as like totally unique and oh yeah, fresh. Yeah, no, they're really cool. I will say too, like. The the difficulty of reading lettering or whatever or, or anything. Mm-hmm. I we're in an era of Marvel right now where like I like eighty it's not actually it has nothing to do with the era, it's more just probably my own subjective experience, but it's like eighty five percent of the time I just don't really care to read what's in the word balloon. <laughs> <laughs> like Well, you've already read this, so I, I, I feel like guilty if I do that. Uh, yeah. It really takes a bad comic for me to be like, All right, no, forget it. I'm just skipping around. Like it really has to be painfully bad no i mean I, generally so. i still do it but it's like i can i can read the comic without doing that i guess yeah if that makes well, i sense. do appreciate a comic that like um you know does that you can kind of read at a glance right yeah um yeah as opposed to like some of the old avengers stuff was just like literally like if you skipped if you skimmed over two panels you'd be lost because so much action happened in the word balloons yeah um yeah yeah uh yeah so so frog thor it's well worth reading um the the whole run is is very fun i mean i i do think as much as i i look to resist your general criticism of the simpson run i do also have to say like this does not and i probably said this previously it does not excite me again the way Mm -hmm. that probably only claremont like big picture like the whole x-men universe does or uh miller's daredevil obviously was something we were both yeah. super enraptured with um or even the starling cosmic stuff actually is mm-hmm. something if stuff yeah. i've gone back to a number of times and and don't lose a lot i i'm not really having that same experience with this run I, it could be in part because when i read it originally i did the whole dang thing you know i did the omnibus um whereas yeah. now we're doing the curated my marvelous year portion and i'm not sure that it's a run that really been it doesn't benefit from that I think that's actually kind of unquestionably. I think if you're going to do it, really do it and check out the whole thing. And, you know, kind of like we said, I think if you're not feeling it by Ragnarok and Roll in 350, mm-hmm. it's not the run for you. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think like Frog Thor's, you know, check out those issues, then do the MMY curated stuff. Um, but it's like stylistically, it's the same book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it is pretty consistent. Like, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, speaking of consistent. No, that's not true. This is not going. <laughs> this is burn. one of the more inconsistent <laughs> stories we're going to talk about. Yeah, this is a weird one. Um, I was thinking we we're going to John Byrne, but we're going to Roger Stern. Roger Stern's Avengers two sixty three. Um, well, this and this is a of, this is a crossover. This is a Avengers yeah, Fantastic we're gonna do Four Avengers. Yep, and then Fantastic Four two eighty six. Real weird one. Real weird. This um, is now. Had you read this before? I had not. So this was this was like. I don't know who's in this tube <laughs> all the time. So what, yeah. what happens is that, um, what's this group called? The Enclave, right? The Enclave, yeah. Yeah, it's a group of like old bald men who who create people and somehow are allowed to just continually like make new people. So they made Adam Warlock back when. They were the same group that like created Adam Warlock back in Fantastic Four. And, back when what, he 60s? was him. 
Right, exactly. And then they created a her eventually, I guess, that was mentioned here. Gotta do it, yep. I don't know if we, we see... Is she Does she become Eve Warlock? That's a, if that's not an idea that's been played with, Zach, you're Eve on... Type Warlock. up the pitch. Type it up. Let me see, typing it. Uh Oh, yeah, there she is. There you go. Is she, a, is she a Nova? No, never mind, that's not... The, anyway, they're on an airplane, like, on the runway in New York. They, uh, they're trying to take off. They've got this big pod in the back, like a people pod, you know, a people pod. And they, uh, they, they end up running their plane down into the, the bay, into Jamaica Bay. Uh-huh. The Avengers come out to investigate, and there's this big, like, scruffy-looking pod sitting at the bottom of the bay, right? Like, uh, the, uh, is the Enclave dead? Hopefully, they're all dead. Um, and then... Namor is now part of the Avengers. He goes down. We'll, we'll get back to him. They get yeah. this pod out. One of my favorite details is that it's like, it kind of looks like the original Adam Warlock pod, which is that like, it looks like yeah. a cocoon somewhat. Right? Yeah, he's, he's got, got this, his like, cocoon rumpled. that he comes out of, right? They pull, finally get it out of the bay. They pull it out and it's this like total 80s sci-fi, like it's a perfectly smooth cylinder. And mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, that, uh, there's just a mattress down at the bottom of the bay that fell on it. That's why we thought it looked like that. <laughs> A really weird detail that they spent so long, like, drawing it weirdly, and it was just like, yeah, it was a rotten mattress. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Namor, Namor's in the Avengers, which is, like, a big deal, apparently. Yeah, we're I getting protests outside Avengers Mansion, uh, which yeah, I, I, I do I, like that detail a lot. It's a good touch yeah. by Stern. Yeah, just to remember that, like, yeah, um, he took a, he invaded New York City once with his armies. Right? More like, than he once, chucking. yeah. <laughs> He was chucking. Co- I mean, the cops are not particular fans. They even some some police talking about him, and it's like, yeah, Namor was out here like throwing cops left and right and uh, punching buildings. And well, what did he do to Daredevil's office? Did he climb the elevator shaft instead of he, taking the elevator? I think he broke. The, he definitely he must have broken the elevator through. Uh, I'm pretty through sure, like he couldn't wait for the elevator, so he just climbed the cable. Yeah, <laughs> he did also try to sue all of humanity. Uh, via yeah. Murdoch and Nelson in that instance. I, I will say, yeah. you know, we talk a lot about the history of the Avengers basically being a history of second chances. You know, as they add members, frequently they're ex-villains or they have a past, you know, in, in Scott Lang, Ant-Man's case, like, right, being in prison, in Hawkeye's case, being a villain of Iron Man, uh, Black Widow, obviously, same thing. Uh, but Namor puts that to the test probably more than anyone because he is actually the villain <laughs> for a lot of Silver Age Fantastic Four comics, you know? Um, and we've seen, you know, pretty quickly, right? He gets that sort of nuanced, is he truly bad? Is he truly evil? Um, but, you know, again, if you run it back to our Golden Age special, which you and I did to to kick things off in Marvel Comics number, what is it, 9 through 11? Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's fighting the Human Torch, the original Human Torch, and Namor's the bad guy, right? <laughs> like, that is his that is his then, origin. Uh, and then also in the, the Golden Age, he's uh, he's teaming up with Captain America to fight Nazis, right? Which is another thing that they mention here. They're like, yeah, he yes. invaded, but he did fight for the U.S. Yeah, the, the, the um, what do you call it? The support of Captain America and the fact that he was part of the invaders, you know, fighting against the, the Axis is probably the biggest, like, advantage he has in getting Avengers mm-hmm. status. I'm not really sure from these and probably... I'm. Not probably. There's definitely more on the run, but I haven't read it in a while. Why Namor wants to be an Avenger? Like, I'm not really sure why that's important to him, um, but it seems important to everybody, like to Cap, to get him on the team. And obviously he's, you know, he is an asset to the Avengers. But I, I like that there's protests going on saying, it's pretty wild to add this guy to the team. <laughs> like, I'm not sure he's I, a funny detail, though, is that, like, there are counter-protesters. So there are, like, protesters who are out there yelling at the protesters being, like, with signs that are like, Nay, Moore's a hero. 
<laughs> I like the the people like the Namor fan club. Is also sure. Out. Yeah. <clears throat> so um yeah they get this pot out. The big twist at the end, which I did not know. I had no idea. I kind of knew this was coming eventually at some point. I had no idea how. Sure. And right. because this is an Avengers comic and not an X-Men comic, I definitely didn't think this is how it was going to end. Uh, it is Jean Grey. Jean Grey is in this pod. Now, it's been approximately five years. It's been. Publication time. It's been one week <laughs> since you left. No, it's been approximately five years uh, publication time since Jean Grey died in the Dark Phoenix saga, right? So that's not nothing. If you're uh, if you're going about it publication year by publication year certainly, uh, but it's also fairly close, you know, and definitely at the rate that we're moving through the club and through curated lists, it hasn't been that long since Gene's been gone. Uh, so I would understand if you're reading this for the first time with a little bit of doubt that it's the real Jean Grey, you know, or something to that effect, because uh, we've seen that before, right? Somebody comes back looking like somebody, but then in I Fantastic mean, been, Four, I mean, seven years, right? That feels like. Well, I, I said know, five. Comic- I thought it was 1980 was the Dark Phoenix saga. Um. Yes. Okay. It is. It is five. Yeah, we're in 80. Yeah, five or six years somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. So. But yeah, Fantastic Four doubles down then and and really says like, hey, what if this actually is Jean? Now, what is the reaction of her coming back to this world? The Fantastic Four coming home from mission. They go over to the Avengers who have Jean and her pod, and basically this issue is a big. It's an exploration of what would happen if Jean woke up didn't really remember what happened but basically she woke up right before or with the memories of right before she became the phoenix so gene remembers everything up to um i think it's x-men 100 uh where they're on the space station they're fighting cameron lang and his sentinels and she's even still wearing the lang which was very confusing yes you're right ant-man like the whole time i was like what does he have to do with this and it's yeah. like you can't name one character scott lang and the other character steve lang and not expect me to confuse them very confusing she kept talking about like you'll never get with this steve lang and i was like how is ant-man tied up in all of this? <laughs> that would actually like genuinely that's not a joke i kept i was thinking like yeah he must be part of this somehow yeah no that's uh yeah. that's one of those crazy connections oh she's still wearing the the dress that wolverine cut skimpy black uh dress that she had on the space shuttle. Um, so it's it's like, I mean, the issue is like 70% flashback, you know, yeah. just kind of saying, Which I, like, what happened? I kind of appreciated because I like, we read been a this, minute, but I, I, guess. Still, I still needed a little bit. Yeah, and it hasn't been five or six years for us, but uh, I still need the refresher. Now, why do you think Gene was brought back? There, so there's, Gene's brought back here, and there's teasers on the corner of each of these issues saying, to be continued in X Factor, right? So we're doing a, mm-hmm. a build and a tease to a new series in the X line. Why do you think Gene was brought back in these issues instead of X-Men? I have no idea. I have none. The answer, as I understand it, it, is Chris Claremont hated this idea. He yeah, that's that's the only thing I could it. think of is he didn't want to do it, and they wanted to force it and force the issue because yeah. he doesn't join the. I mean, one of the funnier things that like yeah feeds into that idea is that she doesn't rejoin the X Men. Like, no. she, the, they consider bringing her to the uh, the X Men, and then Captain America, more like Captain America, is like, oh, we can't bring you to those. <laughs> they're they're uh, like associating with a known criminal, Magneto, these days. <laughs> like, it's not a good idea for you to go see them, Gene. And Gene's like, they must have been brainwashed if they're hanging with Magneto. And, t- you know, right. the Avengers, it actually is kind of interesting. Like, they've seen the X-Men side with Magneto in Secret Wars, and now they've seen him side with him again post-X-Men Uncanny 200, right? Where Magneto becomes mm-hmm. the actual, you know, headmaster of the of the Xavier Institute. Um, so they're not wrong that they're hanging with Magneto. They just don't at all understand 
you know, the act because they haven't talked to them. <laughs> they don't know anything about what's going on. But uh, but yeah, yeah, Gene's back. And this is how it happened. And as far as I understand it from interviews that I've listened to, Chris Claremont despised this decision. It was editorially mandated. Um, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a weird thing because we haven't really had to deal with uh, the revolving door of death in Marvel Comics mm-hmm. yet in the My Marvelous Year Club. We had that Gwen Stacy teaser. You know, which remains yeah. one of the craziest things <laughs> in Marvel, but ultimately it wasn't technically, you know, undoing the the death of Gwen Stacy. Well, there's a little bit of that here because I actually kind of like how this plays out. But yeah. this is not the Jean Grey that went on a rampage and yeah. like became the Dark Phoenix, right? This is that like so Jean Grey sacrificed herself as she was plummeting towards the Earth. She like piloted the ship and she died, and then like was resurrected as the Phoenix, right? Out of the bay. No, what actually happened is that the phoenix came and, like, took all of her, like, I don't know, made an imprint of her mind or something. And her body, actually, like, she died and landed in the bay. And then out of the water rose this separate phoenix that was, like, in the form of Jean Grey. Yeah. So the the Jean Grey that we saw for all those years, in X-Men, or a year or two, after uh, after the phoenix came out, was this, like, you know, it was not the the OC or OG. OC, no, you're right. It, she wasn't OC. She was not an OC fan. She had never seen yeah. an episode of the show, and uh, she is not rooting for a return. But um, no, you're totally right. It's they're different entities, is the way it's explained here. And there's actually a really good classic X Men, which is a series that launches this year, 1986, and mm-hmm. uh, is all written by Chris Claremont. And they they include like eight issue or eight page uh, backup stories. As so, they're reprints of quote-unquote classic X-Men, because X-Men's a big enough deal at this point that Marvel can justify reprinting the good early Claremont Cockrum stuff and have these backup stories written by Claremont with art uh, often by John Bolton pretty wildly, right? Like before he was known for a stash and writing tell-all tales of the uh, the current White House administration. Yeah, he was right, he yeah. was drawing backups of classic X-Men, and they look pretty good. I got, you yeah, know, it's like do. you don't, you're, it's begrudging credit, but credit where it's due. And, uh, you can J- tell how much he wants to uh, to invade the Middle East, though. Like it leaks. Oh, into every the every right? story. He is every story. He's so thirsty. well. When you when you say leaks into yeah. it, I mean they these are sometimes artists do little coded messages, you know, kind of subliminal stuff. He just writes it. It's just it's big font. It's right down the middle of the page in red. Uh, everybody can tell. John, we were yeah. on to you. Yeah. So wait, <laughs> I don't know what we're saying. Sorry, I interrupted. Classic yeah, X Men. Like, did I? Issue yeah, yeah, number uh, eight, I think it is. One of the I, I did it in the Dark Phoenix saga reading order I have in Comic Book Herald. Um, there's a really good, like, Jean talking to the Phoenix about what will happen and what it will mean for her insight that, happens, that you don't get anywhere else. That happens here, too. Like, she has that conversation on the ship going down, right? They have a conversation. But I like think the, the thing other... about the Claremont version is it's Claremont saying, JB. Yeah didn't care for your version i'm gonna yeah. do it myself and i'm gonna do it better which i i always enjoy that little pettiness so uh, i i feel like this this worked there's two sides of this where i think this is actually a pretty good way like all right we're gonna bring gene gray back how do we do it i think that i like this sold it did for they me. have to do like, it though right no i mean that's a different question but like if they're gonna do it i think i at least i like i it sold the idea to me although it not being the you know the dark phoenix gene gray does kind of strip away the interesting idea of like she committed genocide <laughs> um i guess maybe people wouldn't accept her as much but like i guess it's not that the, interesting <laughs> because it's like she yeah, was she committed the that. genocide she was held accountable for that crime by the shiar i don't know that it's a thing we can retry and yeah for gene that, you know it's like we did yeah it. That, that's true yeah 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 
Um, um, I do. Okay. I do like the character of Jean Grey a lot. Like I'm, I'm glad she's back here in the sense that stories that will come out of this will be good. I do definitely question because because it does the thing where it opens the door for Marvel, and this is not going to become as clear a problem until probably like the 2000s when it just gets ridiculous. Um, but it opens the door where it's like, yeah, characters that die here they don't stay dead. And I think that is a, yeah. a going to be a lingering problem for Marvel in terms of one of the biggest kind of stakes-making story things they could do that now, frankly, Marvel can't do. Like it's, it's not a joke, yeah. And DC, like it, it's a it's a comics-wide problem. Like it's a if business characters... mandate that you cannot <laughs> kill yeah. off a popular character. Like death yeah. of death of stories lose have lost flavor. In 2020, right? If they if they yeah. ever had it, um, which isn't to say we aren't going to read ones that are still good because there can be good stories that that result in that end. But it it, it isn't uh, what do you call it a prelude to that era, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have as much exposure to that, even though I know it exists. Um, so th- this worked okay for me. Like I, I still thought that's fine. Or it's fine to have Jean Grey back. Although you know, I guess I think they're pretty boring comics. I will say. They are important. Um, I liked I liked when John Byrne took over because I just think he writes a better comic. Like I liked when Roger Stern um, took into, over and made it about Namor. Yeah, I'm into uh, like you know Sue Storm's mullet here. It's really good and cool, and <laughs> everyone needs to shut up about it. Yeah. Sue's mullet. You know, it, people are always like, "Oh, it's you know they had the hairstyles of the time." Yeah, she did, and she wore it well, right? Oh, she did. She looks good. Like, Do you, no Sue? Joke. Speaking because of Sue, good look. And John Byrne, Fantastic Four, two ninety three to two ninety five. The end. Of JB, your yeah, fave. He leaves on 294 here, like halfway through a story arc. Classic Kirby. Classic Kirby move, right? <laughs> yeah. Like Fantastic sure. Four 101. And then the, the story ends with somebody new. Um, I This story isn't super memorable to me. I don't know how much you want to talk about it. I, I do want to talk about the JB Fantastic Four run kind of as a whole now that it now that we're at the end. Uh, what do you want to say about you know these issues specifically, if anything? Uh, no, I. I liked it. I liked 293 and 294. 295 lost me when Roger Stern took over. Because I think, like, I just enjoy John Byrne's characterization. Like, his yeah. characters are fun. He has, like, a really, I don't know, like, it's just, like, he's known for being kind of a crank, right? Well, <laughs> um, now. Kind of, yeah, kind of a cranky dude, which is just surprising to me. Because I think, like, these comics have, like, a real fun buoyancy to them. Even when they get dark and are, like, stuck with these. Like, like he just seems like he's having a good time with these characters and he likes hanging out with them. Yeah. Right? Like... Just in the background of the um, the Fantastic Four when they go to the uh, the Avengers Mansion, like She Hulk and Hercules are like like she dips Hercules, <laughs> which is really fun, um, and like I really liked their flirting and their bantering it was yeah. it was pretty fun until God I like the smile like just have froze on my face and just melted away when because um, I was like loving the She Hulk Hercules flirtation stuff. Uh huh. And then Johnny Storm's like, so what do you th- what do you find so attractive about that Hercules guy? Seems like a beathead to me. And she's like, well, he's so much older than me. <laughs> it's like, God, my God, John, like he, hundreds like, and hundreds of years. You're right. Like I, I, what a draw. I didn't even notice it at first. I was like, oh, OK, yeah, he's yeah. Because she's talking about like, it's so cool. Like he's, you know, millennia older. He has a you know, there's an adjective named after him. Right. Like it's the Hercules and that whatever. And then like, all of a sudden I just realized, Oh no, it's another thing where like young women, like men who are much, much older than them. And it's like, John Byrne was like 32 here. Right. This is not like, I don't know. Gross. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's yeah. obviously a, like the... a problem that is like, I mean, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I, I don't know what my opinion is about, let's say, a 24-year-old She-Hulk uh, loving a 700-year-old Hercules. I don't know that I have a strong uh, I don't know. I don't, opinion I don't on that, but if you're going to frame it nah, in terms of the old predatory comics guy preying on young women trying to get in the industry, which is the huge problem here, uh, yeah, then then sure. that is then that is. You know what? Young. Like this, this I wouldn't even like bad an eye at if we had not already like. It's a recurring it, thing. It's had, not just a one. Yeah, if this had not That's been revealed problem. elsewhere, I would not have bad an eye at the way this was phrased because I think it's very believable just to be like you know yeah it's a handsome guy who's like you know I'm intrigued by a man who has been around for thousands of years and She Hulk does not come across as like little girlish in any way right so there's no tone of that right um, well and, and uh, one thing I was gonna say about the run as a whole is JB makes She Hulk really dynamic and really interesting and a lot of what we think about now when we think about being a fan of She-Hulk, it, it all yeah. starts here in Fantastic Four and then on into the Oh, Soul yeah, Hulk. I love She-Hulk, and it's purely this. Like, I've never read any yeah. other She-Hulk, but she's, like, a character that I will always, like, be excited when she shows up and hope that, like, she gets treated well, you know, in these yeah. comics. Yeah, and, I, like, I like she... her interactions with Johnny Storm, typically. You know, like, there mm-hmm. is a fun yeah. sort of buoyancy to the team, especially when you consider, like, you know, Ben Grimm goes off into space for a solo thing series, right? You lose you lose sort of that central dynamic of the team. Um, that's actually not something Stan and Jack really did, you know? Like, they didn't really do, like, replacement team numbers. That kind of becomes yeah, a thing yeah. here uh, in, a, in a way that's successful, at least. And that's going to be a big... Like, when I think of the Fantastic Four being interesting, one of the most interesting things that can happen from here on out is, like, oh, here are the, the sub you know, the B team or like the fill-ins mm. during different eras of Fantastic Four. See, I, know, I don't know that's any fun. of those. So that will all be new to me. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't all work. And sometimes it's just a gag. Uh, but, sure. you know, it's She-Hulk is I like mean, he even, one of the best. He he even somehow manages to make like Sue and Reed, their relationship seem like, oh, they like each other. I, I see it now, <laughs> which is literally a first for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. There's a, there's a little Reed redemption by, by virtue of that too, because obviously like, if you can if you can convince us that there are reasons that Sue likes him, you know, yeah. that that helps Reed a ton. It helps exactly. him a ton because it's yeah. like otherwise it's just well, they, you know, they're just treating Sue like she's an object and this comic does a really good job of like portraying a lot of times like oh no, they're a married couple for a long time and they have, you know, like arguments and opinions and but also like genuine affection for each other so and mm-hmm. and they're raising franklin together and you know figuring out the problems there and all these things so i do think it does okay, that so, stuff pretty well so the the main plot here is that there's a in reed's hometown of central city there's this big black dome that popped up and uh and like iron man jumps in jumps out a second later three weeks have passed for him it's a second for everyone on the outside the fantastic four go in they find out that this guy who idolized the fantastic four back in the 60s Right, like, the, yeah. the original Fantastic Four team has built this, like, I think he was worried about the nuclear bomb, like, about, uh, you know, the, um, you know, like, an apocalypse with the nuclear nuclear weapons, and built this, like, enclave of, like, I'm going to slow down time in here, something like that. Um, sure. It's it's interesting enough, like, the mystery works, and then you get the conclusion, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, it's fine. Like, the mystery buildup worked better for me than the payoff. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I, I was wondering here... Do you think that he was trying to take a stab at like Stan Lee here in like at like preserving Fantastic... 60s Fantastic Four? You mean? Yeah, there was like a little something here. I don't know if I can quite put my finger on it. I just kept thinking like is there something here about like making fun of the original like Fantastic Four for being so like stuffy because there the the guy in there refuses to believe that this new Fantastic Four is 
the Fantastic Four because, like, there's no thing. Your costumes look different. Like, everything's different about you. I don't like it. And, like, I, I wonder think that's if more was... a reaction to fandom to criti- than it would criticism, be to Stan yeah, Lee. Than, like, yeah, that's You that's know, true. like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, and I'm not reading the letters pages here, but I'm sure there was a lot of backlash about that. I'm sure there was a ton of backlash about putting She-Hulk on the team from, you know, sure. Fantastic Four readers. Oh, it's not the Fantastic Four if it's not Ben. Who's she? I don't want her on my team. Right, that sort of thing. I'm sure it was coming through <laughs> oh, I a love lot. This, I love this character. Yeah, that's my that's my letter fan voice. Um, but yeah, I, I don't... Because it would be weird if it was a reaction to no, that's, Stan yeah, that because is John is so... <laughs> John Byrne is so actively worshipping them um, yeah, which is the totally. which is the title of the second is two ninety four is called hero worship right, um, but he is actively worshiping Stan Lee and Jack Kirby at least at right, the start yeah. of his run and I, I think in a lot of ways throughout it so yeah I, I would and you know what uh, no I th- I think you're totally right definitely directed towards fans because he he absolutely has a conversation here that is directed towards the fans which is that um, they're at the beginning of this the Fantastic Four are coming back from space and I think it's like She Hulk and Johnny are just like. Well, it'll be good to be home. And they said something, this will be good stories for our magazine. Like, basically the whole thing where, like, Fantastic Four have a comic book in the world. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I've heard that cosmic stories don't sell well. And uh, and they're, like, definitely poking fun at, like, people complaining about the uh, the cosmic Fantastic Four stories. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, And I don't don't mind those jabs. I actually kind of like that. Um, Yeah, I think that's always interesting. At least it's an interesting little view into, like, how people viewed them at the day, you know? Right, point. right. And just the stuff that would have been top of his mind, you know, like yeah, it's sure. reading it 30 years later, like, I don't care how Cosmic Story sold, but it is interesting that that would have been like an ongoing conversation or something to yeah. that extent. Yeah, that, that's about all I've got to say for it. I mean, I uh, I don't know, like, I uh, I loved his stuff, like his Fantastic Four run. This is something I'd be like interested in collecting. This is at the top of my like, go back and read everything list. Really? Because you know, I'm not really reading anything else. But like, I do. This is about the only thing we've read so far that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go back and read the rest of it. Huh. I definitely don't like it that much. I respect it. It's quite good. It's not a great one to me. Um, I mean, even if I don't care about the stories, it's just fun. You know, that's what I'm like valuing a lot out of these. It's like my actual enjoyment of sitting down and reading one, you know, is higher. Like it might not be better or doing more. I don't know what better means even. Um, it might not be doing more like revolutionary stuff than Claremont's X. Claire, it's definitely not doing bigger stuff than like Claremont's X Men or even Simonson's Thor. But like, I enjoy reading one of these issues way more. And I'm not even a Fantastic Four guy necessarily. Like, Fantastic Four has never been one of my team or like one of my faves. Right. But um, I mean, I say that despite loving a lot of Fantastic Four we've read. So I don't know. No, it's I, a good I run. Just think, it's definitely a good run, and it's, about... it's worthy of recognition. Um, yeah. I think I I don't think we're gonna read. Well, we're, you know, we talked about this, but like, you know, John Burns also got Elf like going on during all this, which obviously we're not reading a yep. ton of. Um, and he's going to have some She-Hulk, which I think probably we'll take a look at as we get going here. But I mean, otherwise, we're not going to read a lot more from him. He is going to jump to DC, certainly, uh, in a big yep. way, right? Right around this time, actually, he's going to take on Man of Steel and take the Superman franchise post-crisis on Infinite Earths for them. So this is kind of, in some ways, like the end of an era in terms of him being a major presence at Marvel. And mm-hmm. um, I don't always love his stuff. I, there's a lot of stuff he's written that is among my least favorite ever, but um, <clears throat> DC Genesis. But uh, this uh, this run is quite good. And yeah, I would say like, if you enjoyed the smattering we read, um, check out the whole thing. Cause it's, it is good, clean fun, like in a very literal sense, like John Byrne makes a good, clean comic, you know? Um, yeah. But it's also like, they're generally pretty good ideas. 
uh, about what a Fantastic Four story could be that it it's mm-hmm. trying stuff, and that's always something I super value. Is just like okay, what is the gamble you're taking with a, a story idea? Yeah, and All he right. makes it look easy too. Oh yeah, well actually, we're gonna talk about him in a second. Marvel fanfare. Uh, this is also the uh, the end of Fantastic Four for a long time. We're gonna read some Simonson when Simonson takes over. We're gonna read in 1990, I think, and okay. then like. We got a real stretch of no Fantastic Four for a real long time throughout the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the other thing, too, is when when people look at the history of the Fantastic Four from a from a like non super fan, just sort of, okay, what's the agreed upon canon consensus, which is always flawed, right? It's like that's not Mm -hmm. a perfect way to look at anything. But in this instance, you basically you have the Stan and Jack FF from the 60s. You jump to burn in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then you jump to Wade and Waringo in 2000. Like, that is the gonna... canon consensus. Fantastic. Oh, uh, we don't even read that. So, we go from reading uh, Simonson's Fantastic Four in 1990 to Fantastic Four 1, 2, 3 by Grant Morrison in. Oh, well, that's a that's a weird Marvel Knights one off thing. But yeah, like well, we, we literally read series. no Fantastic Four between 1990 and 2002. So, they're going to well, banish I, for a. I, well, I, I will say, not that that specifically is going to change but don't uh those 90s lists are going to change a lot as we sure as we yeah no i know 90s were kind of yeah so at least the the list as they are all right let's uh let's move on to marvel fanfare 29 and this is a very special issue you want to tell the the folks at home why dave this is a very special issue because it's been nominated by justin <sighs> I'd use a much stronger word than nominate, because nominate means that, like, he put it up for consideration. This issue has been forced down our friggin' throats by <laughs> Justin. Um, yeah, he, uh, no, this he, is a patron-backed issue by demand, patron Justin yeah. and uh, frequent Slack contributor. Thanks so much, Justin. Mm-hmm. You can go over to patreon.com slash year if you are interested in making us talk about a comic. Yeah, just to be it clear, it's uh, 40 bucks, 40 bucks, and uh, you get to drop any one issue uh, per month into the show. And that so, is the uh, issue that the issue Justin chose here is Marvel Fanfare number twenty nine, which I have to yep. say, interesting pick, good yeah, pick. He, I had not read it before. He's picking some interesting stuff. This is a all splash page issue by John Byrne, written and drawn. Every issue, one page splash, no panel breakups or anything like that. It's a Hulk mm-hmm. story too. Zach, I'm gonna guess we come down on opposing sides on this one. Uh, I like the idea. I like the approach. I kind of didn't give one hoot about the story. No, I'm, I'm with you, actually. Okay. No, I was just going to say, like, as much as I like John Byrne, this is playing into uh, the thing that he is not particularly known for or good at, which is, like, big flashy art, right? Like, because when I think of John Byrne and his strengths, I'm, like, storytelling, meaning, like, his panel layout is, like, the cleanest and the best flow that we get, I think. Like, up there with, the, like, the Frank Miller Daredevil, like, top tier being able to just like make a comic feel really really smooth and like make dialogue seem dialogue feel like it uh, flows well i think mm-hmm. he's really good at that he's not like the big epic comic guy right like i don't think he draws these like big splashy pages like i appreciate his art for the like simplicity in the cleanness of it but i don't think of him as like someone who draws these big sprawling things so for him to draw 23 splash pages i was like yeah okay it's it's not well, his strong suit and what's especially strange about it is you're right and but he doesn't he doesn't even try <laughs> he doesn't try at all like every page is is a zoom in right? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's like a close-up of the Hulk and what's going on, including the return of Hammer and Anvil, which spins out of Incredible Hulk. If you haven't been reading that, you might not know about them, but that's fine. That's <laughs> um, all I'll say there. But, like, he doesn't... He's not trying anything other than, like, just body shots, face shots of the Hulk, you know? Like, there's never really much perspective or landscape or uh, some sort of weird visual trip going on. So it's like, I like the idea. And Justin, if you super dig this comic, and that's why you picked it, I can totally see that. Um, mm-hmm. I can see why somebody would read this and be like, this is really cool. You know, this interesting thing. It's this, a cool idea. Super well sure. done creator like, did. Yeah. I just, I wish he had widened the lens a little. I wish we saw other things because 30 shots of the Hulk's neck aren't that exciting. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, it is It is just a lot of, like... I mean, the thing is, you could turn most of these panels into... Pages into small panels, and it would still work that well. Not that <laughs> It'd be a detail. short story. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You know what? It kind of reminded me of the um, the whiteout sequence from, I think, Alpha Flight 6, uh-huh. where it's just like, oh, all right, he's going to do something really experimental here. And that one worked really well for me. Like, that strange uh, experiment just pulled it off. This yeah. was like, okay, well, cool experiment. But I'm not. Uh, I don't know. Really now, now it. you tell me. So there is a there is kind of a a Marvel continuity thing going on here, um, which is. Did you understand what happened when all of a sudden somebody yelled "Justice is served" and some characters got shot? <laughs> did that make sense to you? Uh, no, but it kind of explains. Like the editor shows up to explain. Like this is Scourge, not yeah. that Scourge. There's two Scourges that it got introduced last month. They're different people. Um, yes. this is one of them. Yeah, I didn't care. But so this is S-C-O-U-R-G-E, Scourge. And mm-hmm. he uh, runs around killing, like, D-tier Marvel villains during this era and yells, justice is served. We're going to see <laughs> some of him in Captain America, I believe, because I think I think that's where Scourge originates in uh, in the Mark Grunewald run, which we're getting to. Um, but it, look, it, basically, if that happens, that's what's going on. Um, if you're a big Scourge head... Uh, or Scourge Head, uh, write to me about uh, putting together a good old Scourge reading order on Comic Herald. Because <laughs> I don't want to do it, but I will happily post uh, and pay you for the art, for the work. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think this story didn't work because I didn't know what was going on. I just think it was kind of uninspired, the actual uh, the plot. Speaking of uninspired, Avengers 267 to 269. What? I loved these. I it, this loved is, this these. Is a re- really? Okay, this is a yeah. real, like... Um, Oh, this is kind of a fun idea that I absolutely could not bring myself to care about. The first the first issue, I think, is very, very good. Then the next two are like, okay, like <laughs> Yeah. I got it, I got it the yeah, first no, time. Yeah, no, you're you're right. The first the first one's okay. I I don't know. Kang is just like This Kang is the best Kang to me. me. Yes, this is the best is Kang the best, to me. It so is they're doing the best Kang we've seen. Yeah, yeah so I, the, I was intrigued concept. by issue one for sure. Okay, good. It's Avengers two sixty seven. The concept is Kang has created all of these doppelgangers throughout time, right? There have been all these sort of split alternate realities where different decisions were made or Kang influenced different decisions, right? So he's got all these doppelgangers throughout time. So by headquartering in Limbo, the original true Kang, whoever that might be, there's some debate, uh, is killing off all of the doppelgangers trying to solidify and consolidate down to one true Kang again. In order to do this, Somehow the Avengers get involved. <laughs> but the interesting part to me is the crazy, the very um, Doctor Who sort of like time travel wildness of Kang, like finding all of these weird doppelgangers and dealing with, you know, all these different decisions that have been made throughout time. 
it's very fun for an issue, and like you said, it definitely begins to drag. Uh, once well, you get I mean, that. by the time you get to the third issue here, 269, it is 14 pages in before we're not in flashback anymore. The first yeah. 14 of 23 pages are retelling King's history, which... It takes that many pages to retell. <laughs> it does. You know what? Like, you and I fall on different sides of this. We're oftentimes where you get these, like, broad historical sweeping recaps of stuff. I'm yeah. kind of like, yeah, cool. I don't remember this. Like, fill yeah. me in. It's, like, fun to revisit these stories. I just don't care about Kang, so I was very bored. I actually um, found myself following along a little bit closely because his story is so complicated and challenging because of time travel that I often get confused about, like, when did he start? Did he start in the three thousand year three thousand, and then he then he became a pharaoh, and then he went to the year four thousand? You know, like just the the timeline of it all is whatever. If you're into it, it's it's well explained. If you're not, it's just going to seem super tedious. Um, other than that, I like I, I like the continuing should Namor be an Avenger stuff that's going on in the stern era of Avengers. Here we got John Buscema on art. Um, I like the role Monica Rambeau is playing as Captain Marvel. So, like, you got Monica mm-hmm. Rambeau yeah. bouncing off Hercules, which is actually a pretty fun lineup shift. Like, I think the lineup is probably the best it's been in, I don't know, like, a long time for reading Avengers. Because you got Janet, you got Hercules, and you got Monica Rambeau. Oh, as, can like, we talk about Janet players. crossing all kinds of lines as the boss? Uh, what lines does she cross as the boss? She she kisses Jarvis and says he looks handsome. It's like, that's your employee, Janet. You can't, like, smooch your butler. And uh, tell a him, like, oh, a lady head of the Avengers can't just kiss her employees if she's in a good mood and teasing them a little? Damn it, I forgot. Women can't do a sexism. I forgot. Thank you for reminding me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, I, I guess. I, no, no, I did, it's obviously I did played off think... as Jovially and uh No, it's, and it's a teasing. goof. I know. It's, it's fine. But, no, I did used to believe that. But then I saw Horrible Bosses, and it was like, wow. Everyone should watch that movie. It's really educational. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually found that movie more enjoyable than I expected to. Um, oh, I, that movie, I had that movie's a awful. Fine yeah, time I, watching it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I felt the same way at the time. Even though it is kind of just like <laughs> a lady sexually harassing. Pretty funny though, huh? Right? Pretty funny. Pretty yeah. good. Uh, but yeah. So that said, because that's not really what's happening here no that's nothing here i was just making a joke uh, i um, like jan as the leader of the avengers a lot honestly mm-hmm. I, I do okay. like this role that she's carved out um again i just i like the dynamics of everyone and it, the, probably the least oh black knight inter- though is here the, the, yeah black knight's the least interesting character by far <laughs> like i wish again it's that thing we talked about with west coast avengers where i wish stern and Bushema had the interest or confidence probably the wrong word but maybe just the interest to make black knight a joke like, just make him, like, the joke that we all know him to be, you know? Instead yeah. of making him a fully integrated part of the team. Like, if you're just playing it like he's the doofus who shouldn't be here, I'm kind of interested in that character. Um, you know, it's kind of like the Scott Lang make him, in like, the MCU the cool... thing, where when yeah. Ant-Man shows up, he's just got the big doofy Paul Rudd smile on his face. That's that's what I want from Black Knight. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, he's not much of anything. And I kind of, I, I mean, he's one of these characters where I see him and I'm just like, yeah, how long till you're off the team? Probably not long, right? <laughs> you know, he has a weirdly long run here from, like, you know, 70s Defenders through now 80s Avengers, where he's, they're trying. They are trying Dane. <laughs> and I don't know that it's working for most, but he's he sticks around. Um, 
Oh, uh, something. I mean, yeah, I don't really have any other story things to talk about. I mean, Kang gets defeated at the end by like a triple Kang cross, um, which I did kind of appreciate. It was like the master Kang. He had one last Kang he had to eliminate to become like top Kang. And then that Kang got a gun and fired at him. But hey, he already thought about this and the gun was trapped. So, you know, now he is top Kang. But guess what? This other guy, he was actually double top Kang. And he comes out and kills the other Kang. Like, it was and just double kind of top like, Kang, hey. for those of you at home, is Immortus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is like, yeah, who cares about Immortus? But yeah, it was like Kang Time travelers. Kang. Yeah. Uh, um, the re- what, what is kind of cute about this, though, is he's just like... Yeah, the multiverse, an infinite world of possibilities with thousands of Kangs. Like, thousands. The the fact that they went to thousands is really funny to me. It was just like, yeah, there's 3,500 of these guys across all realities. Yeah, you gotta gotta keep it reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, pretty funny. Um, Good deal. Yeah. So pretty funny. That's uh, I think that's how we'll end it because that's what everybody listening must be thinking to themselves right now. They must be thinking, huh, pretty funny. Thanks, guys. Yeah, pretty, pretty fun. And guys. gals, and and non-binary folks. Um, all right, that's this has been MMY 1986 Part One. I'm Dave. Mm-hmm. You can find me at Comic Book Herald pretty much anywhere online. You can find Zach at My Marvelous Year. You can find music for the show by Disaster Peace. Disaster P E A C E. Zach, what else you want to mm-hmm. plug? We got six episodes for 1986. It's going to be a big year. But it's going to take forever. It. it is, but we're I think all every- pumped. We've got Mutant Massacre coming up, another big crossover event. I don't know anything about it. Literally not the first thing. That'll be so, interesting. Uh, yeah, do you, uh, do you like it? We'll find out in two episodes. Next right. well, I just, episode. How will I know what to feel if I don't know what you think? You'll, Google, uh, the opposite. you'll Google who agrees with me that Mutant Massacre is bad. And then you'll come and report your findings here on the show. Yeah. I'm okay. certain. Uh, next up, we got Punisher. Issues 1 to 5. We got a bunch of x-men uh, across like every x-men title coming out including another patron special issue included and and we'll probably announce this more formally somewhere we may have a really cool uh twist and new thing in next week's episode so Ooh, get yeah. on the lookout I haven't for been that saying anything about that because i'm not going to say anything more than that yeah yeah mm-hmm. but just listen up next week <laughs> listen up hell of an episode everybody. hopefully <laughs> And not a disaster. It won't be a disaster. It Positive. won't be a disaster. <laughs> no, it'll be very good. All, All right, right, that's it. Thanks, uh, everybody. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, how do we end these? Uh, see, uh, see you next year. Let's end it like we started, stuttering and stammering. Uh, uh, see you next year. See you next year.